Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 11 for Monday, October 15th, 2018. My name is Johnny, but if we all woke up from the Matrix tomorrow, people would call me Pixel Riffs. And joining me, as always, is Joel Duggan. Hey, Joel, how are you? I am doing fantastic. It was a restful, restful weekend for me, so I'm raring to go. Good to hear it. Good to hear it. Uh, not quite so restful for me, uh, as people will know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, had a good time and ready to get back into talking about some Minecraft. And last week, uh, we had our Wells Night interview, and we've seen the numbers from that at this point. And yeah, I kind of wanted to say a quick thank you. Maybe you can go into more detail about this, because you, you get the uh, the emails with all of our, our numbers and stuff. But listenership seems to be up. Uh, yeah, I would say doubled, at mm. least for the, the week that Wells Night was on. Uh, I'm sure in no small part, because Wells Night was kind enough to mention... Uh, being on the podcast. He was actually on a couple. I didn't realize he was on two podcasts within about a week of each other. Yeah. Um, or at least they were published within a week of each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He was on two shows. But he gave us a shout out on his latest, at least it was latest as of last weekend, uh, episode of Hermitcraft mm-hmm. uh, on YouTube. And that was really kind of yes, him. for which uh, we are eternally grateful, as always. Yeah. People spread the word yeah, yeah, and so yeah. forth. Yeah, and he took the time out of his day, even though he was feeling under the weather to hang out. And I, I mean, I had a lot of fun on the episode. And I, we've had a lot of people... Drop us a line on Discord, Twitter. We've had a lot of emails, uh, quite a few emails that have like a do not like no reply necessary. Just wanted to say how much I like the Wells episode. So mm. we really, really appreciate all those messages. It's it's fantastic that it's, you folks it are, uh, are enjoying the show. Really awesome, yeah. And I've I've had a few people kind of chat to me in Discord and just say, you know, big score, like well done that you're getting people like Wells Knight on the show already. So we hope going forward that we're going to be getting guests in, hopefully on maybe like a monthly basis if we can aim for that that'd be fantastic but no promises at this stage because obviously the people we're asking to share their time with us are quite busy people it was pretty awesome that wells wanted to to drop in on the show but yeah no promises that we're going to be getting people like that all the time but and i think too that it's important that guests doesn't necessarily mean we stop everything and have an interview it it could very well just be more like a round table with you know a couple friends of ours talking about something that we think that they would have some input on that sort of stuff absolutely but as as always if you folks at home want us to like get a specific guest on i know a lot of people are going to be like get mumbo jumbo on get green and i'm like immediately Mm. going for the big people with the widest audience but if there's a uh a smaller content creator, but somebody who you think has a bit more kind of fun insight into a specific aspect of Minecraft, it would be amazing to hear from you. So drop us a line, as always, at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. But uh, in the meantime, we've we've waffled enough about that. How about waffling a little more about what we've been doing in Minecraft this week? Why don't you kick us off, Joel? Where we're going, we need roads. <laughs> I I have been on a road tear. Uh, I had a couple of marathon streams over the last few weeks. I don't normally stream for more than a couple of hours. I find that I get just kind of sick and mm-hmm. not not of Minecraft, but sitting in front of the computer for long periods, yeah. I, I tend to take breaks. For whatever reason, it's taken me a long time to adjust to streaming for long periods and realizing it's okay to stand up, put your screen on, be right back and go take like five yeah, minutes to, yeah. you know, use the restroom, get a cup of coffee, etc. It does require uh, a, lot always, of, a lot of stamina streaming in general. So I think that's, well, yeah. Yeah. And, and I do find that um, I want to stay in front of the computer longer but I like I shouldn't. It I mm-hmm. I was able to do a three hour four hour stream because I had three breaks or more. Yeah, and it was way more enjoyable. So I think that's going to be something I do on the regular. But the other reason I was I was that doing it for that long is because I was taking care of those tasks that just take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. They're still fun, but they're the kind of things you just have to noodle with. So I was texturing the deck of the bridge under the inn. 
Uh, I was creating a path and kind of melding the the bridge so it felt like it was more of the landscape. And then I started doing a new kind of path. So I haven't done many of these. Grass, grass paths, something I have a terrible time saying. Um, <laughs> they... I've done enough of those around the meadows. For anybody that's watched any of my videos, they're everywhere. So I kind of got those down pat. They're also not very difficult. Uh, for this, I wanted to have different kinds of stones. I wanted to have it look kind of beaten up. I wanted to have it look um, interesting. So I was struggling with a few, a few things. We had some back and forth on the the chat. So I spent a long time working on this like gravel cobble mossy cobble road with like pieces of grass sticking out of it mm -hmm. uh i really enjoyed it it was a long stream but it was really really laid back it's not what i would call like exciting minecraft <laughs> <laughs> but but it was it was it allowed me to talk with the chat room and i really have this uh i guess love of of building paths and and I try not to change the landscape. Like I try to like, oh, well, there's a hill here. So I either have to go over it or through it. Like mm -hmm. I can't just mow it down and make a flat road because I find those really boring. Yeah. So I'm always challenging myself like, okay, do I want to do like slab steps? Do I want to do stairs? Do I want to do, you know, is it going to be beaten up? Is it going to be pristine? So I'm trying to have this thing where you're on a path for so many blocks. I, I don't know what that block number is. But then after a while, there's an event, whether it's a bridge, a you know, a staircase or something that just kind of is like, okay, this is a, a point. This is a marker on the path that has some sort of significance visually. And then I'm trying to figure out like, well, what do I do in between? And I, so I've got the, this other road and this bridge and all of a sudden I'm down to the other end of the river. And I was like, wow, that didn't take, you know, it didn't feel like four hours, but it was, it was a lot of fun. And so that's basically what I've been doing. Uh, the other day on the stream, we also expanded the wheat farm and kind of added a waterfall, like the, the kind of things like landscaping, I find really some kind of landscaping I find easy on stream. Others I don't. Others I need like silence. And I want to ask you about this because I know that you do a lot of this kind of stuff too. Uh, there's some things when I'm doing like the waterfall, when you have to like really concentrate about where the water's going and texturing things in different blocks where you, you have like probably 20 different block types in your in your inventory to try and make it look good. I don't find I can stream with that very easily. I find I'm much more of a kickback and just kind of do that on my own time. Yeah. Whereas things like wheat fields, roads, um, stairs, like that kind of stuff, I feel like a little bit more adept at streaming. When you're doing landscaping, is it something that you can do live or do you find that there are some tasks that you have to like give yourself just like some music in your headphones or, or silence or whatever? I think I'm the same as you. I think there's some things I can do on stream and some I can't. And I think it probably boils down to the amount of time I'm spending in my inventory looking through the different block types and so forth. Like once mm. I've got them out in the world, once I've got something in survival that I can middle click on to pull that block out of my inventory, I find that a lot more, for a start, as a viewer, I find it a lot more watchable. I don't want right. to see somebody menuing through stuff all day. I just want to see them actually doing what they want to be doing. So if I have a bunch of stuff that I can middle click on so I don't have to keep pressing E to go into my inventory and like click the blocks into position on my hotbar, I'll mm -hmm. find that a little bit more doable on stream because it's it's not something where I have to kind of you know, keep interrupting myself, I guess. That's what it feels like to open your inventory after a certain point, it's an interruption. So if I've got like a landscape that uses maybe three or four different blocks that I can just kind of switch in and out and I've got a full inventory of stuff, I don't need to go back and grab some more. And now having yeah. like virtually limitless shulker boxes on the decidedly vanilla server at this point, it's a lot easier to do if you just have like a, a handy supply of this stuff for you. But if I'm 
building something that involves like 10 or 15 different blocks and I've got a specific pattern I want to follow and maybe I've drafted that in creative, it's just another window that I have to keep referring to. It distracts me from the main game window and I find stuff yeah. like that just is, is another demand on my attention that I can't always manage when I'm streaming. So that's the time when I'll, I'll maybe not do stuff on stream, I'll kind of cut it off and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put some music or a podcast on in the background. Um, this is actually something I've done a lot of off camera this week because um, for a start, I've been streaming a bit more of Graveyard Keeper because there's going to be a Halloween update to that game. And so I'm kind of interested to get through the content of that game so I can find out what the Halloween stuff and if it's end game, then I'm already at end game. Uh, but, yeah. but off- Which people should tune into, by the way, because I mean, it, obviously it's fun to watch you play just about anything, but I, I really enjoy watching your Gravekeeper stuff because it's a, it's a different game from minecraft but it still has a lot of the same sort of it's got underlying the, mechanics it's got but the grind it, but it, it's got the grind yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but it's also something that you can communicate to the chat room about so if you're new to it you can pick up pick up on it really easily but it's also not it's not like a pvp game or something that's like you can still read the chat and you know stream it very easily yeah um it's also really pretty yes so if you're if you're looking for like a spooky (laughs) spooky pretty game it's it's really fun it's given me a lot of inspiration for halloween builds in minecraft as well just like the kind of church Mm. architecture and all the different graves and stuff it's it's kind of fun but yeah yeah, it lacks i think the um the creative spirit the thing that i really enjoy about minecraft is just being able to build a ton of stuff and the the most graveyard keeper gives you is just you know you've got to build a furnace now you have a couple of different locations where you can build that but it's always gonna look the same you can't like add your own details around it and like shovel up dirt and use it to build stuff it's it doesn't doesn't quite work that way but the reason i've been playing graveyard keeper so much is because i've been building this giant cruise ship around my creeper farm which i mentioned i think last week um and has been the subject of the latest episode of decidedly vanilla And in that episode, I point out that I'm kind of spitballing this. I'm freestyling it in survival because it's such a large build that building it in creative would almost be meaningless um, and would take too much time. And then I'd be like, well, I've now got to build all of that giant thing again in survival. Also, because I like having the context of all the stuff that's already built in survival to inform like how big I want this thing to look. And if I'm like standing on the shoreline, if I can see the entire ship in front of me or if it's like if it's too far away or if it's, you know, on the flip side, it's way too close. And I'm just looking at this wall of white concrete. I think I've got it looking pretty good now. The episode is out and it's just the hull and the deck. But it is huge and I could not have shaped the front of it on a stream because I would get frustrated with it. I, like There were certain moments in that where I just stepped back and looked at it and went, that looks entirely wrong. I'm not a shipbuilder in Minecraft. I don't have yeah. the, the kind of know-how for that kind of stuff. I've only ever built one or two ships at all. So it was a new experience to me and it was not something I was confident doing in front of an audience because partly to kind of not to draw back the curtain about like you know as far as my building skills go i am far from perfect (laughs) you know i I like Mm -hmm. people to assume that i'm an incredibly talented builder and i get everything right first time but when a lot of trial and error goes into something i find that difficult to uh to keep up on stream so uh aside from that in the minecraft survival guide i've been focusing on much more basic concepts because obviously we're only a few episodes into that really it's on episode sort of 14 or 15 at this stage so i've just introduced my survival guide viewers to the concept of a nether hub uh and and linking up portals and working out portal coordinates to kind of link them up in the overworld and also we did an episode just about fishing which was really nice uh it's kind of Mm. fun to get out and 
I went out to a swamp that borders on an ocean biome. So there were dolphins kind of swimming in the background and live fish. And I was like, well, you can scoop up fish in buckets now, or you can just kill them with a sword. And also there's all of these fishing mechanics and stuff. So I feel like my Minecraft activity this week has actually been quite varied, even though the bulk of it has just been spent building this entire thing entirely out of white concrete, which is a very monotonous experience. That would be a fun idea to go and and use for a stream if you wanted like if if you're there's a divide i think in some of the communities about like afk fishing versus you know traditional fishing etc and it would be cool to do fishing as intended in minecraft on stream if the the idea of it was to be more engaged with the stream audience and just kind of see what you get you know just kind of go through the motions and kind of like explore fishing to its maximum while on stream i yeah. think that would be a really chill chill way t- take, something that take i your stream I'm, audience I'm, on a fishing trip <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. well i want to watch that survival guide for fishing because i mean like i know the basics but i just i don't I, I haven't really um gotten into it as much as i as i should and one of the things that we have one uh not heart of the sea conduit yeah we have one conduit near our coral reef thanks to Matcast, uh who has an afk fish farm um but like we don't have many of those and i'd like to try and build one myself and see what i can do with it and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and to do that i think i'd like to try and get the nautilus shells the like the way that the game intends just to kind of figure out how hard that really is you know yeah yeah and i I got i think the first i've not used an afk fish farm at all on decidedly vanilla not because i'm you know opposed to it in any way but just because i i quite like interacting with fishing and it's something i do in the early game to get like a decent supply of food and stuff like that um Mm -hmm. and i got all of my nautilus shells the first time that way and it took a while they are quite rare as far as fishing goes i think i maybe got a couple from drowned who spawned holding them as well so that's right that's part of it but uh but yeah i quite enjoy fishing like in it's not too difficult to fish compared to other games which have like slightly more complex fishing mini games required to to fish things up like the the fishing in stardew valley comes to mind and that's a, a a fishing mechanic that completely polarizes people because once you've like caught the fish once you kind of right click to be like okay i'm reeling this one in there's a whole separate mini game that starts and to some people it's intuitive and you kind of know what you're doing and to other people it just you know it, it's it puts them off fishing entirely and they install a mod that means they have like one click fishing instead but minecraft it, it's it's a nice balance i feel like most mm. of the fishing in minecraft almost analogous to fishing in real life is just kind of about waiting <laughs> waiting and yeah. then and then seeing uh seeing what what bites the hook i think too that with update aquatic if you're out fishing you can find places and be places that are quite picturesque whereas before you'd be looking at like you know gravel on the bottom of the ocean going like all right well this is really dumb yeah (laughs) at least you can look at seagrass swaying back and forth there might be dolphins popping by like you said like there's there's even just the schools of fish like previous to 1.13 you there was no fish swimming around mm, yeah you know you would catch fish out of nowhere <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know and i i always thought that was really weird um but now like it, even just kind of zoning out and watching a school of cod swim around would be fine <laughs> it's like a screensaver at that point <laughs> it's like the the old school like fish tank <laughs> yeah, screensavers the aquariums, from, yeah, fish tank yeah, yeah, yeah from the 90s <laughs> nice 
So we've actually had a little bit of news this week uh, with regards to new stuff coming to the game. The uh, the stuff that we started to touch on last week with Wells uh, about new slabs, stairs, walls, that kind of thing. But we right. actually have a look at some of these blocks. Some of the blocks themselves have been confirmed. Um, and we know that the 40 uh, new blocks is actually comprised of 14 new stairs, 14 new slabs, and 12 new walls. Um, you've been compiling basically a, a list of of the tweets related to this. So those are hopefully going to all end up in the show notes. So yes, yeah, we've had a, a mixture of that from Dinnerbone and Lady Agnes. So what, what do you think the, uh, the highlights of that are? Well, I think the highlights are yet to come. And you and I had a, a, a Discord conversation about this kind of over the weekend. And I found myself Try like finding it difficult to articulate why I'm just not that excited about you this feel stuff. A, a little bit underwhelmed by the whole thing, yeah. And it's because like they're they're releasing stuff quite quickly, like it's like, hey, this is done, and it feels like, wait a minute, like you, you, this is they're talking about this like it was the easy, like they're not saying it was easy, but yeah, the, the rate at which they're sharing this stuff, they're just like, bam, done, and it's like, if this was so easy how come it's taken this long yeah. to get them in the game? And I, I understand the whole flattening and, and some of the, the things that happened with 1.13. Like I realized there was some technical stuff behind the scenes that made it very difficult up to this point to have stairs and slabs and walls. But if that was fixed with 1.13, how were these things not implemented months ago when we had 1.13 release? Like there, there's, there's not new textures. They're not new materials. It's granite cobble uh, not cobble granite diorite andesite uh none of which are really exciting to build with with, ex with the exception of andesite i'm excited for andesite stairs like i think that'll be cool um i think for me what what it boils down to is these things feel like stuff that should have been in the game already mm -hmm. and that's why i'm not jumping up and down elated that they're coming it's just like well okay it's it's awesome like it, it i i'm struggling to find you know use for them in in my head i'm also looking at things like the walls and thinking like here's an opportunity for the shape of the wall to change with different materials like right brick yeah or granite it's like i i don't necessarily want it to be something that would not be minecrafty like yeah Simple is fine. You know, the way that walls function is is great. You don't want to change the function of them either because they're used in so many like redstone builds and, you know, water contraptions yeah. and things like that yeah. to, to redirect stuff. Like you, there's a function that has to be maintained. But like, how hard would it be to put, I don't know, holes in the granite wall? Or maybe the granite walls have got, I don't want to say round, but like maybe they have pedestals like more more of a banisters type feel on the ends do you know what's the word i'm looking for it's when you go up and down a staircase and at the bottom of the staircase the end of the railing has got a big nodule thing on it do you yeah know what it's, it's like the end of a bedpost or something i'm not entirely sure what it's called yeah, like, yeah. my woodworking um you know terminology <laughs> is not the greatest but it's, it's a large you know usually it's a turned decorative piece that's on the end and I mean, the walls already have these funny little, you know, thicker parts that happen when they either join one another or or they're, it's at the end of its of its run. Yeah. And you could do something like that. Again, not a new texture, a little bit of a new model, but nothing crazy. And I feel like that would go a long way to kind of say, okay, well, yes, we're adding a granite wall and yes, we're adding a diorite wall, but we're also changing it up just a little bit, you know, just to kind of give that kind of added flavor. Um, the thing that intrigues me 
are the stairs that they haven't mentioned. It's, you know, what are we going to get? Because they've mentioned, you know, the, the three stones, the three polished versions of those stones. So there's three, six, you know, of your, of your 14 stairs. Uh, plus, they've already said, they've not shown us, but they've said that smooth stone stairs were one of them. Mm-hmm. So, like, for landscaping, there's a lot of really cool, you know, things that are coming. But for me, it's like, okay, well, that only leaves, like, another six stairs, you know, or, or, or yeah. so to, yeah, to go. And it's like... In that range. You know, so what what do you think those will be? It's it's tricky to say. I definitely think red nether brick is going to get a bit more love. I feel like a lot of mm. people thought that was a really... It was a, a missed trick when they brought out red nether brick and nether brick itself has so many variants. It's got fences even. And it's it's yes. actually something Dinnerbone brought up was like, if we want to make sure that fences are only wood types and then uh, all of the stone variants have walls, but they don't have fences, nether brick kind of sits at this weird midpoint in between the two where it's definitely like a brick type block, but it's got mm-hmm. fences because those are part of nether fortresses. And so do they now compromise their vision for nether fortresses by changing that to walls or do they make an exception and then why not make an exception for everything else so there's there's clearly a lot of thought that's gone in behind the scenes about whether or not they have to remain consistent to the existing style and if they have to think so hard about that then i feel like that's probably why they're not changing the walls to be slightly different and you know it's yeah it's like it i get that it's it's a little boring having like the sort of retextured version of the same block every time but I think to a certain extent, that's how some builders put texture into their work. Like, I can't imagine how you would put together a bunch of fences. Like, in, in the barn build that I've just built on my Minecraft Survival Guide series, I've got a mixture of spruce and oak fences in there just to make some parts of it look a little bit worn, a little bit different, kind of colored. Maybe they've got a little bit wet or something in the rain. And imagining putting that together if spruce fences looked different to oak fences it wouldn't be as possible it would look kind of like a weird patchwork and it might not have the same effect so i wonder at what stage they decide you know we need to keep it simple and you know there's scope for people who make texture packs and remodel blocks and things like that to implement those kind of changes without changing the game too much you know it could be a resource pack with some interesting block models that's up to the community to do they're just providing the framework yeah. for us to do that um yeah no and, that, and that's true and sometimes i forget too that and i, I don't like I, I understand that minecraft has to keep things pretty straightforward and i don't really complain about the the lack of variant fences mm-hmm. right like it just while i really enjoy the variations of trapdoors i think everybody is is happy about yeah that variety and that's consistent um, with doors which you know in the real world yeah, per- can can come in many different forms so it makes sense yeah that the different exactly wood doors do. yeah yeah i mean i've i've sort of thought at some point that it would be nice to have one of the fence types look more rustic like actually look like it was unstripped logs you know yeah. in a fence position yeah but again it runs into that issue where you're like okay well whichever one that would have that would be you'd want to pick the one that you would not use in the way that you use it right mm-hmm. now so yeah. like maybe you know, dark oak, spruce, and 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 oak are all untouched. But then maybe birch and jungle are the weird ones. You know, the ones that are not used as as often because of their color, etc. Um, but yeah, like I, I I don't want to sound like I'm being too harsh because I can see <laughs> that point too. And I forget too that there's a lot of stuff that you can do without getting into modded territory. But I also feel like it's a weird position as a developer. Again, not knowing anything about how things work inside uh, Moyang, but 
because your community will and can mod stuff or re retexture it with texture packs doesn't necessarily let you off the hook about being at least a little innovative. You yeah, know? yeah, like, for sure. There's there's a little bit of imagination that, you know, that I think could go in. And I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily worried about like the longevity of Minecraft, but I'm just wondering at some point if they're going to get a little bit stale because they're just sticking to the rules. I like the idea of having rules for the overworld and rules for the nether. Yeah, they're so being I'm kind of very like, different places. Yeah, like so if you wanted to have, for example, uh, red nether brick fences would be cool. Mm -hmm. And have that be the, like the only stone fences that you can get have to be nether resources, you know, yeah. versus overworld, all of your stones are going to be walls, all your woods are going to be fences, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I, I like, I like that idea. The the other thing that I think we should, we should touch on is the confusion uh, behind the, uh, we'll say versions that we've been humming and hawing about yes. and, and the um, the release dates. So it's nice to get some, some clarity on this. Thanks to Dinnerbone. Uh it was is kind of yeah something i've i've hoped we would get a correction on at some point so there's not actually going to be an update before the holidays uh for java edition um this this was the mistake i made when watching that coverage was assuming that because we just had a segment where two bedrock devs were talking about bedrock when jeb and agnes came on stage they were just going to be talking about java that was not the case. They were talking about the creative vision for Minecraft as a whole. So like all mm -hmm. of Minecraft was getting these updates and the plan... Which wasn't clear. Yes. No, it, it wasn't particularly clear. It wasn't particularly well communicated. And that's something I think people have given them a lot of feedback on. So I don't want to, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but yeah, there, no. there, there is now a bit of a joke about, you know, Mojang, tell us about an update, but it's always kind of poorly communicated. <laughs> it's just become mm -hmm. a bit of a community meme at this stage. But um, yeah, there, there is not going to be a holiday update for Java edition. And people, again, have been calling it a holiday update, like it's the name of the update. There really isn't a name for it. That's only coming to Bedrock platforms because their updates work better kind of in stages. Uh, so pandas, scaffolding, etc., and um, the village and pillager updates are all going to arrive to Java edition simultaneously at this point they mentioned early next year um, as... 1.14 or the village and pillage update so pandas are going to arrive there scaffolds going to arrive there all of the additional walls and stairs and everything uh, all in one go bedrock is getting that earlier so the the holiday update for for bedrock is going to have pandas and scaffolding and so forth and then they're going to get all of the villager updates later and naturally, there was a bit of community grumbling because Java edition players like to get on their high horse about how they were the first edition of Minecraft and how Microsoft is ruining it by focusing on the Bedrock edition and giving them the features first. For a start, we're getting snapshots, I think, relatively soon. There were some kind of cryptic uh, tweets uh, from, from Dinnerbone and the rest of the dev team that maybe we're going to see an update, uh, a snapshot at some point towards the end of this month. October 24th, I think, was the date that was being being suggested um but they uh the, there was a a discussion about this on reddit where some people were saying why is bedrock getting all of this stuff before we are and i noticed a comment in that thread which was not a source from within the dev team but sounded very reasonable so i want to read that this is this is from uh, a user by the name of 15 redstones who said that they actually split the features they develop across the two teams now because bedrock has now reached kind of roughly speaking, feature parity with Java, they're actually able to develop new features for both editions 
but develop them separately so it splits the work between the two. Um, so the Bedrock team is responsible for implementing cats, pandas, scaffolding, and so forth, everything that's coming in that kind of update. And that gets ported over to Java later. Similarly, the Java team is working on the village and pillage update. So pillagers and, you know, new villager AI, new outfits, diorite slabs and stairs and whatnot. And those are going to be ported to Bedrock for their second update. So, you know, it makes sense that they are updating Bedrock in stages and Java is going to get everything kind of all at once because the features aren't being developed on both platforms simultaneously because that would basically mean twice as much work for everybody. It seems reasonable right. to me. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense in in that way. I did. I didn't catch the tweet. Was there? Did they specifically say that uh, the new stones, slabs, and stairs are are going to be part of the one point fourteen for Java in the new year? Year. I think that's yeah. That that's that's okay. Being planned for one point fourteen. I'm pretty sure Dinnerbone has confirmed that. And yeah. yeah, it makes sense that him being one of the primary Java devs, then he's been tweeting prominently about that while members of the other kind of the Bedrocks team have been tweeting more about pandas and scaffolding and things. It's, yeah. it's kind of, it, it makes a little bit more sense when you pass it that way. Yeah. I, the, the reason why I'm asking is because things like the villager update, the pandas and scaffolding, like the stuff that has new mechanics and stuff. Um, wow. I just said stuff a lot of times in that sentence. <laughs> The blocks and items in the game that have functionality and AI and stuff like that makes sense to have it delayed until the new year and just mm -hmm. have it all done at once. Yes. Things like stairs and walls to me at this point feel like they could be a, thir a 1.13. whatever update. Yeah. But it doesn't sound like we're like they're if they're not talking about them, it doesn't mean we're not getting them. But it does not sound like we're getting a point one or point two or anything like that it sounds like the next one is just going to be 1.14 yeah which is kind of a disappointment when you consider that they've also been working on performance updates which would really benefit the community now we've heard enough mm -hmm. about how laggy cod make the world that yeah. yeah it would be kind of nice to get stuff like that fixed sooner but if they think that 1.14 the village and pillage update whatever you want to call it is coming soon enough that we're going to be able to hold out for that then sure, I'll play a slightly laggier version of Minecraft for a few more months if it means mm. all of the features mm -hmm. kind of get developed sooner and then we get that update sooner with all of the content as well rather than just waiting on a technical update that doesn't really have any new additions. And yes, you could add stairs and slabs and so forth in there, but when it comes to the point whatever updates, so 1.13.2 would be the next one, they only typically have bug fixes i think the only one that i can think of in recent times that's had anything significant added to it was in i think 1.11 where they added the ability to boost elytra using fireworks which right. wasn't a feature of elytra but kind of became obvious that that was going to be the best way to do things because players were shooting themselves with punch bows in order to get higher up into the sky and they didn't want the barriers entry for flying to be you know how accurately can you shoot yourself with a bow um mm -hmm. So that's the only time I remember them really adding anything significant in a, a kind of incremental 0.1 update to a version that was already kind of a full release. I think in terms of holding the content back, they want to save that for 1.14. Makes sense. Uh, in, yeah. in, in a way, it's a bit of a shame, but you know, we're, we're, we're not the ones in charge. And yeah, hopefully that stuff will, will come around and won't have as many delays in it as the update Aquatic did. So we will hopefully get it at the time they've promised it. 
Mm. I mean, I'm looking forward to snapshots. Like, I think that's the other thing, too, is that we are going to at least see this kind of stuff. Uh, having uh, a longer delay in its release does mean that the community is going to have an opportunity to check out the snapshot, give some feedback, you know, hopefully yeah. craft things a little bit uh, in the future. I the One question before we move on, because we've got some, some chunk mail that I want to read. When Moyang releases information like a potential uh snapshot on the 24th which they did in kind of a we'll say a cute kind of picture of a whiteboard with some sticky notes and stuff on it do you prefer would you prefer it if they just said hey uh we're pretty sure that the next snapshot is coming out on october 24th uh more to come in the next few weeks as we get closer to that or would you prefer this kind of like single photo one of the devs looking at, you know, staged in a, in a photo, looking at a whiteboard and, and the community then having to guess and parse what is coming and what is the significance of it. I think because it's close enough to Minecon, they're still in that kind of hype building mode where cryptic tweets and images and stuff like that seem to be the way they want to communicate things. And also yeah. maybe if for whatever reason that snapshot gets delayed, people can't be too disappointed because they can be like, oh, it was just kind of a fun picture kind of thing to keep you guys guessing. And yes, yeah. by now we've sort of worked out what that is, but if they promise us a hard date in writing, then the community is going to come down on them a lot harder for that than they are if they just kind of post yeah. a cute picture. I personally, my approach, I would appreciate like actual verbal communication, but yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mean that to be kind of, you know, grumpy about it, but um, I, in the past, that has very much been their approach. Like once snapshots are rolling out, you get Dinnerbone on Twitter regularly saying, sorry, no snapshot today. We're trying to come up with this and that for yeah. it. It'll come out on Friday or it'll have to wait until next week. Yeah. So I think with Minecon having still been only a couple of weeks ago, they're still in that mode where they're like, we want to communicate things in a fun way because this is still fun for everybody. And then when it stops yeah. becoming fun for everybody, that's when they actually bring out the hard facts and say, no, this is when it's going to happen. Yeah, the reason why I, I bring it up is for me, um, I'm okay with either way, with the one caveat that this way does sort of breed more misinformation as people start <laughs> bandying about ideas and speculation in forums like Reddit and Twitter. Yeah. But they have they make the mistake of stating it matter-of-factly. Yeah. I've yeah. seen it in YouTube videos. I've seen it all over the place where people are very specifically talking about, you know, versions of Minecraft that have not been mentioned, you know, or uh dates or or ideas that are just like no this is speculation but you and your language because because you're you know just a, a minecraft player and i don't mean that in a, in a small way i'm just saying like you're you're not part of a pr team of a company but because you're you're stating this matter of factly it's a symptom of the internet at large and then those things get, get steamrolled through and then there's all this confusion when you go looking for stuff. You're like, well, I don't know which end is up because there's all this stuff that just seems to be very matter-of-fact information. But you really kind of have to dig back to the source to find out whether or not they said anything. And I think that some of that could be cleared up with, as you said, if if, if the devs are tweeting or, or informing the community saying like, oh, okay, well, this is delayed this week. We were hoping to have it on the 24th or or even if they they don't promise. It's like, hey, we're shooting for the 24th or we have a new one that's going to come in the next two weeks we hope like stuff like that is clear enough to say like yeah it'll be done when it's done but hey it's coming soon like that kind of stuff i would be, i would be happier with it with i think that kind of uh information there have been announcements um, in the past that they've even made almost like in puzzle form as like almost like an arg kind of level puzzle where dinnerbone yeah. will 
uh, he'll post like a, a, a screenshot or an image that's like basically a vertical line of single pixels. And then when you rearrange those into horizontal lines, they turn out as an image and it's an image of somebody flying using Elytra. And that's how we find out Elytra being added. In, right. in Minecraft 1.8, when they were announcing 1.9, they put a snapshot thing in where if you went, if you loaded up a world in the snapshots, went to a snow biome and then let it snow for long enough, the snow layers formed in the image of a QR code that if you scanned that using a QR reader, it took you to a page with one line of text that just said Minecraft 1.9, the combat update. So mm. in, in terms of like how cryptic they can get about this, they can get very cryptic. It becomes like a treasure hunt at that stage. But yeah, yeah. I, I feel like this is a kind of middle ground between... You know, they want to introduce like fun stuff like that to kind of keep the community guessing stuff that like little Easter eggs and things. But they also want to have some sort of straightforward announcement about when things are going to happen. It's kind of they're they're caught between the two. One of the images that Lady Agnes posted, actually, uh, a a Twitter um, user sent it back to her and circled what they thought was the edge of a berry bush in a in a taiga biome. Mm -hmm. And I don't know whether it was intentionally put there or whether it was just this teeny tiny little sliver of a bush that showed up that someone caught. And she she acknowledged it and said, like, you are really observant. Yeah. She didn't say yes or no, but she kind of like, oh, yeah, that that looks like something, doesn't mm-hmm. it? it? It could be a mistake. It could be intentional. But it's one of those things you're just kind of like, ah, <laughs> just show a berry bush. Like, I don't, you know, it's one of those things that it's, I can, I can understand the buzz that it creates. Like, I get that part of it, but. Uh, anyway, we should get on to the chunk mail because it actually ties right into our main discussion this week. Uh, this particular piece of mail is from Dosage, or as I like to call him, Dosage. Dosage. I guess I, I guess I shouldn't speculate as to to which way well, uh, it goes, just because Minecraft handles are so neutral. Yeah, <laughs> do, do say the sage dosage. Do. Yeah, I think Dosage just sounds like a French, you know, Bond villain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Mustache twirling and all. Yeah, precisely. Uh, Hey guys, love your podcast. I wanted to share a bug with you. In Realms, Blazes have an issue where their ranged attack can go uh, and do a few things. It can kill you instantly. It can instantly destroy your armor, give you the effects of a golden apple, weird, or repair your armor. Helpful, but also weird. Uh, 50% of the time I get shot by a blaze, one or multiple of these effects happen, which completely scares me off venturing into the nether. I'd love to hear you guys talk about going into the nether early game and late game. What gear do you always bring? Always listening. Dosage. (laughs) Let, Let me preface this discussion by saying that I haven't heard about this realms bug before, and that is pretty buck wild for a thing to happen in in this video game like you sh- a blaze shoots you and it gives you golden apple like regen and saturation effects <laughs> how does that happen like what, <laughs> yeah, what line weird. of code who crossed the streams <laughs> in behind the scenes that somehow that i also want to know if this is java realms or bedrock realms because bedrock is you know is the wild west as far as i'm concerned there's some crazy stuff that happens in there and, and very strange uh very strange behaviors I wonder if you can still block it with a shield, is my first question. Like, does the shield then instantly get destroyed by a blaze fireball, or or what? I, I don't know, mm. but yeah, uh, frankly, having read this, it was I, I'm, I'm scared to go into the nether now. <laughs> I'm yeah, very... I, w- I wouldn't... It's like, do you, do you put your shield up, or do you stick your chest out? Like, repair my armor, please. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> like, and just, just hope I, as well. The, yeah. the, the element of hope that goes into it is is crazy. But uh, yeah, let's. How, how about you kick us off? What what do you what do you do? How do you plan for going into the Nether for the first time? 
So this took a little bit of thought on my behalf because the Citadel has been up for well over a year. Mm -hmm. uh, and on top of it being a long time since my first adventure in the Nether, I've also not really been building in the Nether very much at all in the last six months or more. Yeah, yeah. So going back, uh, I think that I usually have a really good bow, the best bow that I can muster. Uh, if you don't have infinity, you want to bring at least two stacks of arrows. Uh, or as many arrows as you can, because you're just you're going to be dealing with ghasts. You're going to you're potentially going to be dealing with blazes. Yeah. And there are things that you can't always get close enough to uh, to hit with uh, with a sword uh, or sometimes want to get close enough to mm -hmm. uh, iron gear. Uh, I if you can enchant it with feather falling. Awesome. Maybe fire resist or projectile protection. Blast protection if you're thinking about gas, maybe, but mm -hmm. I'd say projectile protection just because of blazes and and um, and stuff like that. Uh, why iron? Because if you lose it all in lava, then it's not the end of the world. Yeah, if you've not just lost, you know, half of your diamond. Yeah, stash. like tw twenty-eight diamonds or however many total goes into a suit yeah. of armor is a lot to Ex lose. Exactly. I actually died when I first started playing the game. Uh, I died so often. I just never bothered with diamond armor. I just I stuck it out with iron just because I got fed up with with having to recraft everything and yeah. just, it got so expensive. I was like, you know what? I just diamond tools, yes, but diamond armor, I just I've never bothered. Um, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this because I don't use this enchantment very much. Smite on a weapon would that be good against like wither skeletons and yeah and it's, it's stuff like that it's for undead mobs so i don't think blazes count in that i don't think blazes are right. technically undead but zombie pigmen it's very good at um if you have smite five on an axe um i think an iron or better axe will one shot a zombie pigman especially if you get a crit so on those right. rare occasions when you just want a pigman out of the way and you don't want to wake up all of the others then smite is really useful for that you can just take out a pigman pretty easily nice uh so that kind of rounds out your i guess offense defense stuff uh for utilities uh, i would say a silk touch pick uh i mean obviously you could um you could bring another pick if you wanted to but i i, I find that silk touch is better for when you do find nether quartz you're going to want to use a fortune pick on it later anyway mm -hmm. um ender chest crafting bench if possible uh, and lots of cobble because it's blast proof. It's probably something you can get a lot of going into the nether. Mm -hmm. And then gravel or sand, like at least a stack of gravel or sand, because if you have to go down um, to another level, if you don't have feather falling or if it's just too far, having a block that will fall that you can stack kind of like a gravel elevator, you know, off a cliff and then dig down with a shovel mm -hmm. uh, to go through it. I think that would be, that would be really helpful. Uh, that's really all I can think of off the top of my head. I, I am purpose left something off the list that you put in there, but I, I couldn't believe that I forgot about it. But <laughs> so what, what do you normally bring so, when you go into the nether? Uh, I usually leave my diamond stuff at home if I've got it at that point, uh, because early nether spawns can be rough. Um, if the game spawns you over a lava lake, if there's no terrain close enough to the point where it calculates your portal should appear, it will spawn you in midair over a giant lava lake. And that is the worst possible situation to be in. So yeah, if, if you can avoid losing equipment at that point, then great. Um, cobblestone is obviously a must-have, like you said, it's blast-resistant material, it's the best thing you can reasonably acquire in the early game, and you've usually got a bunch of it at that point, so if you're not sure what you're going to be building with it, then build a shell around your original nether portal so you can at least have some protection, and so that the ghast fireballs don't, like, 
end up damaging your nether portal and breaking it because that's the one way your nether portal can become unlit is if a ghast explosion takes it out to that end bring a flint and steel with you <laughs> because and that's what i forgot yeah, to write down yeah it's because it's not worth getting stranded in the nether and then having to dance around your portal until a ghast fireball relights it um i think mm. blaze fire will also do the same thing but again, blazes are difficult to kind of guide back to your nether portal unless you've spawned in a fortress because they only appear in nether fortresses. Um, mm. th it is still possible to acquire flint in the nether because there's plenty of gravel around, but there's no way of getting iron except maybe if you get lucky and find it in the nether fortress. But I'm not sure if it's even on the loot tables for nether fortress loot chests anymore. So right. yeah, it's it's very if if you if you don't have iron on you, bring a flint and steel. Um, Bows and arrows, obviously essential for dealing with ghasts, unless you are a wicked good baseball player. Um, I usually get my return to sender achievement as soon as I get into the nether. Like the first ghast I see, I'm like, right, just point at you with a bow and arrow. It still amazes me that people try and do the ghast fireball deflections with a sword, because I can do them really easily with a bow. And I'm a decent shot with a bow. I wouldn't say I'm the best, but I can usually nail a ghast fireball just after it's fired it. If you fire kind of directly at a ghast's face, chances are you'll deflect a fireball right as it shoots it, and then easy return to sender. Um, and I find return to sender is really difficult to do with a melee hit on multiplayer servers, which is where I do most of my playing. It's, yes, it's yeah. way easier on single player because you don't have the lag, the delay, but on multiplayer servers, because it's calculating the position of that fireball, oftentimes you will swing and miss, and then you just end up getting mm -hmm. blown up and there's fire all around you and it just gets worse and worse from there. So yeah. I've always got a bow and arrow with me. Um, if I if I go for a nether fortress, I usually scout out the blaze spawners and grab one or two rods for potion brewing, but I never stay long until I can get like fire resist potions because yeah. it, especially depending on how your nether spawn is, I've gotten incredibly lucky recently. Uh, the survival guide nether spawn is perfect. There's so much kind of open territory that I can cross before I get to a big lava lake or any kind of major obstacles. And I have a nether fortress right nearby with two great blaze spawners. Like, it's going to be a blaze farm eventually when I get around to it. Um, nice. But remember that slime and blaze powder can be crafted into magma cream. So even if you don't spot a magma cube on your first trip into the nether, if you've got some blaze powder and you manage to pick up one or two slime from exploring caves or maybe you're near a swamp, then you can craft that and that's... 24 minutes worth of fire resist potions provided you've got the other ingredients like once you've got nether wart you're golden uh, yeah there's just, there's a few things that you kind of have to adventure into the nether to get you know you get enough nether wart that you can grow it yourself you know you get some blaze rods as you don't really need a lot of blaze rods to make a decent number of potions because yeah. blaze powder lasts quite a while like yeah. i can't remember all the math but the, the math is on the wiki it's easy to sort of yeah i think it's something um, like 10 brewing operations or so maybe a little bit more that you can yeah you can do with one and, blaze that's, powder. and that's three potions per operation mm -hmm. so like that's 30 30 potions right there and i think you know when i first go into the nether my my first adventure into a a nether fortress is a very quick hit and run like yes. it's just i need a little bit of this a little bit of that find some nether wart that's usually the hardest part and then after that i'm just like all right i'm done i'm booking see ya yeah you know like i just I, I then then you can go out and get much better prepared you know to to maneuver around and yeah. um and do that kind of stuff something that i just thought about that that i didn't mention is that depending on how good you are with the bow in the overworld and how many phantoms that you've killed a uh, potion of slow falling yeah that that is for your second trip <laughs> not a be, not a bad suggestion really cool. um and especially considering that slow falling and elytra work so well with each other if you're in late game and you're exploring the nether with elytra and you're prone to 
you know, run into stuff frequently and you're worried yeah. about falling out of the sky, it might save your bacon. So I recommend experimenting yep. a little bit with that stuff. Uh, and in, in late game, I'm usually a bit more cavalier when I'm exploring the nether. I'll fly around with a Lytra, I'll throw an Ender Pearl or two. I'll bring my diamond armor and my diamond tools at that stage because I don't really want to end up anywhere else without them. Um, and if I get unlucky and lose it, I can always make more. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I don't tend to fall in lava all the time when I'm exploring the nether. I'm usually pretty cautious. Occasionally, I make the fatal mistake of assuming when I've taken a fire resist potion that makes me invulnerable. Uh, they don't protect you from fall damage. <laughs> so yeah. like you say, with the, the slow falling potion, probably a good idea. But uh, yeah, on occasion, I have ender pearled a long distance only to find that I've ended up against a wall and there's like a you know, 50 block drop below me. <laughs> and uh, yeah. yeah, that gets tricky. So uh, remember to uh, hit F3 and take your coordinates if you're at all worried about getting into trouble because that's usually what will save those items unless you're falling in lava, in which case there's no hope for you. Yeah, late game I do I do fly around a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a pretty protected nether, like it's either covered or there's... The the routes that I'm flying, I'm flying over over cobblestone, so it's not really high risk. I've done some some flying where it's very open, and you're like, okay, I'd have to be a complete moron to hit anything in mm -hmm. here. Yeah, um, haven't been doing it much since 1.13 came out because we've got some severe server lag where you could just be flying, and all of a sudden you just your momentum just stops. Yeah, you just get that you're hiccup, still, and then you're falling. Yeah. You're still activated, so you're falling with a Lytra, so you're falling slowly, but you're going down, not forward. Yeah. And and it, it that in the nether can be just enough to to mess you about, and I'd, I'd rather not risk yeah. it because um, we've not found a lot of Elytra on the server, and all of us, I think with the exception of Alistair, have lost a pair. So we're all a little bit more tentative when it comes to that kind of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I'm more comfortable flying over the void in the end than I am flying in, <laughs> in the nether. It's got less stuff to load in, yeah. so there's less chance of yeah. lag spikes at that stage, I think. Yeah. But yeah, it's... The other thing I've, I find you have to remember, too, is that when you have your elytra on, like your chest plate that you lose when you wear elytra removes a lot of protection. Mm. So yes. you really kind of have to be on your guard when you're in the nether with your elytra on, even if you're just doing a quick you know travel from point A to point B. If you're at any open point, like make sure you're not going to get hit by something because you can really just that initial gas blast will take you down a number of hearts and if you happen to get knocked into lava or whatever like you're done before you can think about mm -hmm. taking a potion like it's re it's really tough yeah a, ch um, a chest plate with any kind of protection enchant is gonna save you whereas a yeah. lecturer really won't no and and i and i default to having um noob juice mm -hmm. <laughs> or fire resist potions on my hotbar when i'm building in the nether and sometimes um we are spoiled uh Matcast on the server has built a number of auto potion brewers mm -hmm. so we've got enough material that there's just a constant double chest of of potions available to anybody on the server so um using fire resist potions like it's gone from having one on my hotbar to like mm, i've got six of them i'm just gonna drink one build when that runs out drink another one you know so i've just kind of constantly got it and that way because i've done it before where you just get a little bit too cocky you're doing something simple like removing a ladder and everything goes wrong you know mm -hmm. <laughs> like stuff like that um i find the hardest thing about flying in the nether is if you decide to not wear your elytra remembering that you don't have it on yeah yeah, because <laughs> I've definitely jumped off a cliff and been like double tap, 
and nothing. Yeah, I, I, do, I do that now when trying to leave my skeleton spawner. I've got a skeleton spawner that now you can only fly out of because I haven't made the bubble elevator to take me back up to the surface. And right. half the time I'll have removed my elytra because I'm charging up my other mending tools. And then right. I forget to put the elytra back on. And I'm just hopping up and down in a puddle of water going, why am I not flying? And then, oh, wait, <laughs> let me let me put yeah. those back on. So in, um, in more developed servers, we're going to talk a little bit about nether transport as our main topic this week. Um, and we've gotten to this very late, but I, I did not realize we were going to be talking about the news for quite so long. There's a lot to, a lot to cover, but the, um, the, the main topic this week, we were thinking about talking nether transport and in more developed servers, um, like you're, you're going to find a nether hub and stuff like that pretty easily. So transport is going to be, uh, is going to be nice and straightforward for you. If you're joining a server, that's already a few weeks into its lifespan, that's uh, at the very least, there are going to be some rough cobblestone bridges that will take you where you need to go but how do you handle nether transport what what do you kind of start off with and, and what are your your philosophies about nether travel well we defaulted to i mean i was the one that was building the nether hub on the citadel so i ended up having a really cool build right off the bat mm -hmm. and it, most of it was just like get a nether rack box up as fast as possible uh and then put glass or carpet or something down so that ghasts and things can't spawn you have to deal with a lot of zombie pigmen but beyond that you just kind of get yourself a safe little box to work from. And we just went with a, a simple philosophy of just north, south, east, west, just straight lines, use the, you know, debug screen to figure out, you know, which way is which. Mm -hmm. um, we've color coded them. So it, that makes things a little bit easier. Not the whole path, just like the initial room or even the doorway, you know, like we've got a desert to the west. So that corridor is all sandstone. It's all yellow and sandy um, north um, as it, as as most people would think about the north, but also ha as it happens on our server is also where the ice spikes biome is. So mm -hmm. the north corridor has got some ice and, and, and quartz and stuff that looks kind of cool. So things like that, that it make it very easy without reading a sign, you can figure out which way you're going. Yeah. Uh, once you get beyond those main rooms, it's all just cobblestone slab path. Uh, it's bog simple but mm -hmm. there's something really relaxing about taking stacks and stacks of slabs and just doing like a three wide road all the way to where you want to go mainly because it's blast proof yeah and if at any point you're you're not inside a tunnel uh you can just lay down a three wide path and and um be it be something that you can run along and for the longest time um the other players on the server with me are even newer to Minecraft than I am and certainly newer to like fighting and stuff in it. So there's a lot of problems with ghasts and people, I don't want to say panic, but it, it tends to be a hurdle that keeps them from venturing into the nether, much like uh, uh, Dosage had mentioned earlier in, in, in their email. And one thing that I, I like to remind people is that if you have a cobblestone road and a ghast is shooting at you and you just run, mm -hmm. it will miss. Yeah. It will miss you. It will, and if even if it hits your road or your bridge, nothing's going to happen. Ghasts have no uh, no principle of ballistics. They're always shooting at where you just were. Exactly, yeah. like they're shooting at you, not ahead of you. Mm -hmm. uh, God, I hope they don't change that. <laughs> they, they just draw a bead on you really easily in the future. Don't yeah. get any ideas, Moyang. Don't get any ideas. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's generally what I do, and I find it it's done two things for me as far as uh, road building, and um, I find like again, I find it really relaxing, but also. I find it taught me a lot about curving roads, doing angled roads, angled bridges, uh, like what's the best way to approach spanning a large, you know, chasm 
uh, over lava, like stuff like that. And I've, I, they're ugly because they're all 100% cobblestone. So they look really, really basic. But mm -hmm. the shapes of some of the things that I've been able to learn how to build in the nether by just having tons and tons of blocks, not caring what it looked like and just going for it. Uh, has translated into being able to build bridges at an angle, you know, in the overworld when I really want to make something fancy or um, figuring out like a really nice way to do stairs that aren't like jerky, you mm -hmm. know, or that aren't, that aren't, you know, disruptive to your, to running, you know, things that don't slow you down. Like what's a good way to go? Like that's why I use slabs a lot is because I find it's a much more pleasant visual experience. We've got a really long run to the ice bikes and the uh, giant taiga biome. Uh, it's something that we use speed potions for because it's such a long run right yeah uh, the whole thing is slapped from beginning to end it took a long time um but th like that kind of thing it's it's much more pleasant when you're not going up a 45 degree angle staircase or yeah. whatever like it's it's cooler to, to to have it at least be pleasant you know be scenic um beyond that we've we've got some some paths that are ice so you know what I, that trick where if it's a too high corridor and you've got ice underneath and you jump you go a lot faster yeah yeah uh we don't have any boats we don't have any mine carts mainly because we've just landed on speed potions and and running as the fastest way to get around yeah. and like, and that's kind like of you said we, if, we are, if you've got like auto potion brewers then you know getting a whole a bunch of speed potions is pretty yeah. straightforward for you at this stage and to avoid any emails, it is a swiftness two potion. I know it's not a speed potion, but I just, I think about them as speed <laughs> potions, probably from my days of playing Mario, you know, like you get like the, the speed boost and stuff like yeah, that. But I, I think, I think I, I always call them speed potions. I don't know anybody who doesn't. So yeah, it's just, yeah. it's just easier to say. It's less of a mouthful than, than swiftness. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Uh, br bringing back the, the ice road, the kind of too high jumping ice road really takes me back. Cause that was when I, when I first joined Decidedly Vanilla in season one, of that world um i my base was a few hundred blocks away in the nether and the boats back then because it was 1.8 hadn't been changed to the the type the with the with the oars that you now row um and and boats were notorious for breaking and nobody had thought about using boats on ice roads that way so the the meta for transport was very different um it was either minecarts rails or you know too high corridors like you say with kind of um ice roads and and jumping for speed boosts um, so I did that when I first set up my my kind of tunnel in that nether hub. And it was already an established nether hub. There were already tons of corridors and stuff coming off of it. So uh, I feel like I had quite an easy nether experience like in my first time in, in multiplayer. Um, I just walked my survival guide viewers through building a nether hub and, and kind of setting up a portal to the swamp biome that's kind of to the north of my base on the single player world. And it's actually been fun to create a hub on a single player because... It's something that I can shape entirely myself. I've never really built anything mm. this structured on a single-player world before. Even when I did a single-player series to start off my channel, it was still very much like, you know, tunnels through Netherrack and not much else, as far as I yeah. remember. I think maybe I did a bit of decoration, but at that point, my decorative skills were not all that great, so it was pretty basic. Um, when I started on Xbox 360, going back even further, the Nether in th those worlds, in the Legacy Console Edition, is really small. Um, limitations of the console, the hardware at the time, I guess. Um, I actually Googled it because it's been so long. Um, the nether to overworld ratio is actually one to three instead of one to eight. So 
Okay. To, to briefly explain this for folks at home who don't know, uh, if you travel one block in the nether, it's the equivalent of traveling eight blocks in the overworld. So you can actually figure out based on the coordinates you're at, if you divide your overworld coordinates by eight, you're going to get the coordinates of where a nether portal should be uh, in the nether. And that ratio is completely different in Xbox, but I never needed to build a nether hub anyway because the overworld was only 850 blocks square. So, you know, you could travel that with a minecart in the same way that you're traveling the nether now because, you know, the, the, the amount of space that you could cover was not something that it would take days and days for you to run there. <laughs> you know, you could, mm-hmm. you could cross the world in about 10 minutes. Um, so... Uh, all I ever used the nether for really was acquiring the resources from nether fortresses and getting quartz, getting netherrack if I wanted to use, you know, nether brick for builds and that kind of thing. Um, and it was probably good that I didn't set up anything more infrastructure wise like a nether hub because if you ran out of quartz because the nether wasn't infinite, there was no way of acquiring more. So you had to reset the nether. There was actually a menu option to do that on the Xbox 360 version. I think partly because oh, interesting. people had updated their worlds from times when nether fortresses wouldn't generate. And because the nether wasn't infinite in that version and you couldn't just explore further away to find nether fortresses, right. when they added them into the game, people asked for the option to just reset the nether so they could then find you know, the fortresses and nether wart and brew potions and fight blazes mm. and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so it was possible to just completely reset the nether, which I did over and over again because I wanted to do a big build with quartz and I had mined out so much of the nether that I just thought, well, I'll reset it to get the stuff that I already know where it is. Um, so, yeah, when I when I moved to Java, obviously completely different experience, infinite nether and the hubs were well established. But then obviously when we reset the decidedly vanilla server and did a season two, uh, I, you know, ended up being a bit more involved in the making of a nether hub and at that point i think that was around the time 1.9 came around it might have been a a little bit later 1.9 came out but i've never really got on board with the meta of having boat paths with ice like for whatever reason like i rarely factor that into my designs for nether hubs unless they're really long tunnels like if you're going thousands of blocks out to get to a very far-flung biome for whatever reason um Ice, ice paths are really glitchy right now as well. 1.13 seems to have introduced a couple of yes. bugs whereby people will glitch through the floor and potentially fall into lava or from a great height. Um, the, the ice paths also don't look particularly attractive to me, um, especially now they've got blue ice. Blue ice is such a high contrast block compared to netherrack and the rest of the stuff that you typically find in the nether. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a sacrifice of function for form, really. Like I like yeah. to decorate my nether hub tunnels and... A lot of the time now, I mean, we were talking about flying around with elytra earlier. Give me tunnels that I can fly down, especially now I have a gunpowder farm. And yep. I, I think I'm a lot happier with that. Yeah, I, I've definitely started on some things where I want to make any, like some of our tunnels larger and round, you know, and, mm, and make yeah. them more tubular so that they're, you know, five to, well, probably like seven or nine blocks in diameter so that you can fly around without too much trouble. Um, and then not have to worry at all about... Uh, gasps or falling or anything like that, like just have a, a simple tube. Um, I think the challenge, you know, in terms of function over fashion is is difficult because like to make something that looks good around ice, 
you want to decorate the entire tunnel. So cover up all the netherrack yeah, and pick yeah. blocks that look good with ice. But then you run into the problem of like, well, if I'm using ice, it's probably a really long tunnel. Do I really want to decorate a really long tunnel? Yes. And also uh, that introduces problems with lighting, especially yeah. if you're using regular ice, because then that all disappears because water doesn't get yeah. placed in the nether. And if you light anything too close to ice, this is actually something I did on the old DV server. I set up a minecart rail to an ice spikes biome. It was super far away. And so the nether tunnel was decorated with like snow and ice and like blue and white glass and i really liked doing that but because i wanted it to be lit up i had to be super careful about where i placed ice or snow layers otherwise they would just be gone next time somebody wanted to go through it and there'd be yeah. all this netherrack that you could see so yeah it was it was a really long project and ultimately not that great like i mean it <laughs> it's the kind of thing that i was really proud of at the time but now i feel like yeah, i could have i could have done that a little bit better but it was, it was a matter of the amount of time I could spend on it and who was going to be using it because people so yeah. rarely wanted to get out to the ice spikes at that point. Yeah. My first nether hub on my single player world that I developed uh, was a lot smaller. Like I didn't really have an idea of how large, you know, the game was mm -hmm. and where I needed to go for certain things. And I had done minecarts as I, cause I thought that's what you were supposed to do. And it allowed me to hit travel and then go and go get a cup of coffee or whatever and come back. Mm -hmm. And, uh, for whatever reason, uh, I never stuck with it and we didn't apply that to the Citadel, even though the tunnels in my single player world were maybe a hundred blocks. Like it was barely worth putting in a minecart. Whereas now we've got like our shortest nether tunnel is like 400 blocks, you mm -hmm. know, like it's, and I, and I run it regularly because it's the desertness where you need glass and you get sand for glass and gravel and all that kind of stuff. So for that, like I, I wonder why, and you can maybe shed some light on this. I wonder why minecarts are not used more often because they are, to my knowledge, the only real AFK travel yeah. that you can do. Yeah, that's de that's definitely the case. And DV had another hub last season, which included a station that had minecart rails leading to significant locations. And it was all set up. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, it was all set up by KB and he put it there so you could just press a button and then catch a minecart from the same place and whichever button you pressed kind of activated a specific line that you could go down and like changed kind of like the the way that rails can be affected by redstone current to point a different way if they're a curved rail. Right. And that would direct yeah. you down which way you wanted to go. It was a very good system. Um and yeah, I I feel like that's the kind of thing I would personally avoid because I know minecarts, they're slower than the other forms of transport that we have available to us right now if we're going for absolute kind of speed as the priority. Um, they're a little bit glitchy and it annoys the heck out of me when somebody leaves a cart at the other end of the line and you just bounce back off it in the direction you came. The amount of times that oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I, would, I would walk away from the computer, like you say, to just come and you know get a, a glass of water or something. And I'd come back and I'd just be in the place where I started. And I'd be like, well, there's a no. minecart on the other end of the line and I can't. <laughs> and, and, and you have to be there to kind of like hastily swipe at it with a sword or leave your minecart and have that go all the way back to the station and yeah. so forth. So yeah, there's there's yeah. ups and downs to a lot of a lot of different approaches. I think the one thing minecarts are still going to be consistently good for, as far as the nether is concerned, is when you need to transport mobs through the nether. When you've got stuff like villagers that you want to move from a far-flung yes. location back to your spawn or wherever your base is. It's always going to be yeah. a case of setting up minecart rails through the nether. Either that, or if you've got a decent stretch of water between you, you can use boats. But if you're going overland, obviously boats aren't going to be the best idea for that. Yeah. So yeah, the yeah, nether yeah. is the nether is villager transport hub for the most part. But yeah, even that is a bit of a risky proposition and usually involves mutilating whatever nether hub you've made just so you can lay down minecart rails. 
And I feel like that might be a good idea for whenever I get around to restarting a world or doing something new is putting in minecart rails down your tunnels, not for you, but for the eventual inevitability of transporting villagers either back to your home base or from your home base to a new build or something. Yeah. And so that, because I've done it, I've done the whole minecart, you know, transport villager thing, but it's always like a nether, a one wide nether rack you know, stream mm-hmm. with with bricks on the top of it just because it's easy to tear down. It's temporary. It hovers like, you know, two or three blocks above the above the ground. You're always worried about gas when you're into open areas. And having something that would be permanently like kind of like a gutter on the side of your on the side of your nether hub, you know, to to always be able to move villagers or mobs or stuff around would be that wouldn't be so bad. Like that would be, you know, really quite useful. I think this thing that I struggle with is like, unless you have an iron farm, then long minecart rails are not going to be really possible. Yeah, yeah. And uh, unless you're one of those people who likes being able to duplicate minecart rails, which is cheating, and we well, do not support yeah, that here at the Spawn Shops. No, no, no. <laughs> well, I'm talking about, you know, vanilla, vanilla game, yeah, vanilla yeah. game rules, etc. But yeah, like I, I find that um, for me, it's the getting in and out of things that I find even though it may be faster in a boat, I just find it just a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be able to get to where I'm going and just basically run straight into the nether portal and be out the other side and not have to worry about, did the minecart get broken and disappear? You know, do are we running out of minecarts? You know, did, did, the bo- did I break the boat? Do I have to take the boat with me? Do I have to get out of the boat? Yeah, yeah. Like all that kind of stuff. Like if I've just got a, a swiftness two potion on me and I'm traveling down these tunnels, yes, I have to sit at the computer to do it. But at least it's uh, it's just a a what's the word obstruction free zone. Like you just you go out the portal and you just start running, and then you just you get to where you're going and you're done. And and I'm curious as to I know that they dropped a little bit of a hint uh, in Minecon Earth about redoing minecarts because they're not happy with them. And if there is ever a point where minecarts become faster, become a more reliable way of travel, you know, if they change the way that they they work in terms of like, you know, not bouncing off one another, like stuff like that, mm-hmm. then then I feel like uh, it could be really fun to add um, to add minecart stuff. Uh, we have a few things that are really far away that I think would be would be worth putting in like a, an AFK AFK travel part. Well, uh, Alistair on the server had built a subway station like a little underground to the dartmouth meadows and he did a really cool trick where instead of breaking the minecart for to get you out of it the minecart actually ejects you first yeah and then it goes through a little hole in the wall and it gets broken later and it's really reliable i mean the tricky part is 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 running out of minecarts or having more at one end of the tunnel than not he built it i think before we had an iron farm so like it was really resource heavy for him yeah um but i find it works quite well as long as it's as it's loaded up with minecarts totally fine you know, like there's not a, not an issue with it. And, um, and I think that that's the kind of thing that I would want to implement. I think the best thing about all of this discussion is that there are so many different approaches. Like as with anything yes. in Minecraft, there's no sort of hard and fast rules about how you need to do something. Or even at this stage, like a an established, like you do it this way. Like a, as with stuff like iron farms, for example, there are only maybe two or three or four designs out there that people will use regularly. Whereas nether hubs can be vast and varied things which are limited really only by players creativity and that's yeah that's the thing that really appeals to me about this game in general and hopefully you folks at home can share us some of the stuff that you do in the nether if you're setting up a nether hub or if you just want to talk about how to get around you can always email the show and let us know it'd be really cool to hear your thoughts but that is going to bring to a close 
this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find out more information about the show and links to some of the things we talked about at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and the full version of the song is now part of our $5 per show reward on Patreon. The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast, and with your help, we can continue to produce, evolve, and expand the show. You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community, where pledging at any level will get you to an an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, and we're working on other rewards, like an MP3 download of the theme song. So yeah, right now, I think we are still sitting at $29 uh, per show, which is fantastic. We would love it to be more. We'd love to welcome more people into the Discord. Uh, But yeah, I think we've seen a a couple of new arrivals in the last couple of weeks. And the discussion, as always, in the Discord has been fantastic. People are right on it with updates. Whenever Dinnerbone tweets something, we know about it. And the discussion in there has always been really kind of wholesome and positive and quite kind of insightful as to how the other folks in the uh, the community like to play. So long may that continue. And if you want to add, yeah. your, add your voice to that, consider pledging to us on Patreon. It's a, it's a fantastic community. And there's a really good balance of uh, builders and very tech people. And I'm talking like under the hood tech minds. Mm, yes. Uh, so not just Redstone, but like coding and how Minecraft works. So when, you know, Johnny or I have a question or something that we're not sure about, we can usually get the answer in the Discord. So I'm sure that that'll provide that kind of value for you as well. And uh, we are at $29 per show, which is more than halfway towards our next goal, which is going to be uh, recording the pre and post show. So you get more spawn chunks uh, in one in one sitting for people on the, the RSS feed on the Patreon page. And while you're out there on the internet, you can also spread word about the show quite easily on social media. You can follow us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can also use hashtags like Minecraft Podcast and The Spawn Chunks when you share that. Another great way is just telling people about it. If you've got friends that you hang out with on a regular basis, server mates, you know, that you want to tell the show about, uh, uh, if you stream and you want to talk about the show, all of it is very welcome. At this stage in the, in the game, even though we're just passing, you know, uh, 10, 11 episodes, still spreading the, the word about the show is the best way to bring in new listeners. Um, recommendations are usually uh, a great way to do that. iTunes I would reviews love to see... also. iTunes reviews yes. would be fantastic. would love to read more of those on the show. So if you feel like leaving an iTunes review, and if you've done that, let us know on Twitter because I can only see the iTunes store in the UK. Joel can only see the iTunes store in Canada and combing all of the different like regional stores is a little bit difficult for us. So if you want to kind of copy us in, send us a screenshot, whatever would be fantastic yeah. to uh, to hear from you on that score. Yeah, a screenshot at uh, thespawnchunks at gmail.com would be an excellent way to, to give us a heads up that, that you've done that. Uh, the Spawn Chunks is available by name on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. As I mentioned, there is an RSS feed in the Spawn Chunks Patreon as well as on the website. Still working on Spotify. We will keep you guys updated as that progresses. My name is Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash pixelriffs, where I have a multiplayer Let's Play series called Decidedly Vanilla, and my Minecraft Survival Guide series, when you can find out how the Nether Hub is progressing. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week on Twitch, where these days I work on larger Minecraft projects for my YouTube series, dabble in other games on the side like Graveyard Keeper. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online can be found at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me to do some illustration or design, just drop me a line through the website. You can also listen to the Citadel Cafe, where I talk about sci-fi and geeky entertainment, and Comics Coast to Coast, where I, I interview comic creators, illustrators, and animators. 
Fun note, we had John Kovalik on the show this past Thursday. He is the illustrator of all of the Munchkin board games. So he's a really, really fun guy to uh, to talk to. Awesome. So check that out at, yeah, comicscoasttocoast.com. He's, he's a really fun guy. Uh, an online friend of mine. I, I've actually met him in person too. He's, he's a really cool cat. Uh, you can follow me on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch, where I'm having a lot of fun with just my name, Joel Duggan. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, and the giggling noise under the floorboards is definitely a witch.